0: Here's to the innovators, the makers, the doers, and the hustlers of DC. With Facebook Elevate, you can grow your business, build your online presence, kickstart your career, or turn your passion of creating content into a reality. Facebook Elevate is a program that provides free digital marketing courses and one-on-one coaching from experts that can help you grow your business. Learn more at facebook.com FBElevate. Facebook Elevate, on the rise, together.
1: We have three very, very important stories for you today. One, we have some essential new racial and demographic data on the coronavirus that I'm actually really concerned about and want to share with you. Secondly, I want to talk to you about the role of immigration detention centers during the coronavirus and what we have to do and how we have to speak out. And then lastly, we'll have a dedication for the legendary Bill Withers who passed away today, I believe and have always believed that Bill Withers is probably the single most underrated songwriter and vocalist of the 20th century. going to play some of my favorite songs from Bill Withers as well. This is Sean King, and you are listening to The Breakdown. The, the Breakdown. The Breakdown. I absolutely knew this was coming, but I hate to see it. As the racial demographic and geographic data starts to come in on the coronavirus, we're learning that predominantly black zip codes and communities are being crushed by the virus. And it's not that this is surprising, because our communities often have the highest rates of asthma, diabetes, hypertension, cancer, and others. But it's just disappointing and frightening. Right now, most states either aren't collecting racial data on the coronavirus or they're refusing to release it, but it's starting to come in and what we see is disturbing. In Michigan, where African Americans represent just 14% of the total population, African Americans now represent over 40% of all coronavirus-related deaths, and this is a staggering amount of inequity. of the population, but 40% of all the coronavirus-related deaths. In Detroit, we've already heard the head of the homicide division of their police department died of the coronavirus. He's a black man. Uh, The commander of their jail, also a black man, died from the coronavirus. The chief of police there is also sick. In my hometown, my home borough of Brooklyn, when we start to study the zip codes, it's no different. And it's not because black people have a genetic disposition for the virus, that's racist, that's dumb. It really gets down to a convergence of institutional racism, systemic bias, housing, and economics. Let me explain. African-American communities, by design and function, are consistently the most crowded in the country. Of course, this then makes social distancing very, very difficult. Furthermore, African Americans in New York and beyond consistently rely on public transportation. African Americans frequently don't have jobs that allow us to work from home and have one of the single most strained relationships with the American healthcare system of any ethnic group in the country. And when I say most strained, that's really an understatement. African Americans have a deep, Ugly history of mistreatment and abuse from the American healthcare system that really can't be understated right now. From cruel, deadly experiments to downright neglect that continues to this very day. This historical abuse has created an intergenerational skepticism of the system that continues. It's prevalent everywhere, all over the country. And not only that, African Americans are routinely underinsured and uninsured, and don't always have the extra income for copays, prescriptions, deductibles—all these things that our system requires. And I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but the United, i do don't—I don't know what that saying means. By the way, <laughs> I don't know why we're beating dead horses, but the United States is again the only major developed country in the world that even has deductibles and monthly premiums. It's a scam. And it preys on communities of color the most. Last but not least, because African-Americans are routinely working in service jobs, in government jobs, and security jobs, and are required to go to work, often those places don't even have paid sick leave. And it puts African-American communities, because of all of these things, at great risk for the coronavirus. And here we are. As the coronavirus continues to spread across the country, my full expectation is that it's gonna continue to hit black communities and black people particularly hard. We'll continue to report on it, but please, my people, please be safe. I love you and we need you to be safe in every way you can. Spread the word. If you're able, and I know this is a privilege request, please stay in the house as long as you can and uh, take all the precautions. Listen, there are many more stories that we have today. Next, I want to tell you about the real brutal struggles of those that are locked in immigration detention centers right now and in so many ways don't have the advocates and the advocacy that's necessary to get them out. I'll be right back.
0: It's the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, the breakdown, break it down now.
1: Right now, I'm hearing an increasing number of people fight and advocate for all of the people who are incarcerated in jails and prisons all over the country, including. Uh, of course, in Rikers Correctional Facility in New York. But as of today, nearly 40,000 immigrants, refugees, and asylum seekers are at increased risk of contracting the coronavirus because of the current punitive, draconian immigration enforcement regime of the United States. Despite calls for quote-unquote self-isolation, Thousands of immigrants are herded into detention facilities, which, if we're being honest, are just jails in everything but name, except with often less access, believe it or not, to the outside world. We know the risk of infection increases exponentially in these lockups. The solution, the necessary solution to this crisis is simple. Release people who are currently detained and stop detaining people in the first place. This is about justice, yes, but it's also about keeping all of us safe. Civilian guards and administrators come in and out of these buildings every day, exposing detained people to infection and vice versa. We're all at risk of further exposure to the coronavirus if we don't take decisive Immediate action to end this inhumane caging system. And that's all it is. 40,000 men, women, and children, all immigrants, are currently being detained because they came here seeking a better life. And it's ridiculous. Fortunately, and this is some rare good news right now, a recent poll of likely voters that was released just yesterday in a report by the Justice Collaborative and uh, Data for Progress, found bipartisan support for some of these solutions. 59% of all voters, including a majority, 53% of Republicans, would support an executive order instructing immigration enforcement to suspend new detentions of non-citizens. Let me say that again. 59% of all voters including the majority of Republicans, say that they would support an executive order where Donald Trump says, listen, we're going to suspend new detentions of non-citizens. 51% of all voters support limiting the detention of newly arrived citizens and refugees who are awaiting a hearing. And 56% of voters support releasing elderly people from immigration detention. Here's the thing. The United States system of immigration, the laws, it's a part of our civil, not criminal legal system. This means that tens of thousands of people that are currently incarcerated in migration detention camps across the country are there for an alleged civil violation. It's not a crime. The grounds for their detention is not a violation of any criminal law or statute. I don't think people understand that. And the punishment for the violation, even if substantiated, is not imprisonment, it's deportation or removal from the country. There is no parallel criminal sentencing for any of this. Thousands of people are trapped in cages because they're accused of committing civil violations of immigration laws that almost everyone agrees are massively dysfunctional. Images that we've all seen of children ripped from their parents' arms and crammed into cold, dark cages have shocked the conscience of many in the past few months and years, and rightly so. But in response, there have been increasing calls from advocates, from legal professionals, and public health experts to end this inhumane practice and release immigrants from detention immediately. We need to see this happen. And here's the thing. The failure to do so, according to Violetta Chapin, a clinical professor of law at Colorado Law School, who authored much of the report that I'm leaning on today, said failure to do so will result in many lives lost, both among immigrants and the broader public, which is a cruel an unnecessary outcome. And here's the thing. The authority exists. We have something called the Immigration and Nationality Act, and it authorizes the president to release detained immigrants when, there is na- when there's a national or global emergency. And all of us can agree that the coronavirus pandemic is a global emergency. And as Chappin goes on to conclude in her report, she says, quote, Just as we've seen an unprecedented move in the criminal legal system to release people, removing bail obstacles and granting early and compassionate release, we should likewise demand that the Trump administration immediately release the tens of thousands of immigrants detained in overcrowded immigration detention facilities. And that's the end of her quote. While some U.S. immigration courts have closed in response to the pandemic, Others are still open and holding hearings for immigrations in detention, despite calls from judges, prosecutors, and immigration lawyers to postpone these hearings. Silky Shaw from the Detention Watch Network said, a coronavirus outbreak at immigration detention facilities is imminent if it's not already happening. Just recently, more than 3,000 physicians signed a letter urging ICE to release detainees while their legal cases proceed, particularly adults over 60 and pregnant women and people with serious chronic medical conditions that put them at higher risk to get the coronavirus. Dr. Ranit Mishori said, they're just there like sitting ducks. And he went on to say, the window of opportunity is rapidly, rapidly closing because we need to let them out before they become sick. Meanwhile, immigration and customs enforcement is taking a radically different approach. On the very first day of California's shelter-in-place lockdown, ICE agents raided Im- immigrant communities all over Los Angeles. And unlike other raids, this time they carried N95 medical masks to protect themselves. They also violated state regulations that ordered everyone to stay home except to do essential activities necessary to survive. In other words, they knew immigrants would be home and began raiding those communities. These masks that the ICE agents used are the very same personal protective equipment that made headlines recently Due to extreme shortages that are endangering the lives of healthcare workers. Even the US Surgeon General recently issued a statement requesting that N95 masks be saved for doctors, nurses, and frontline health workers. But here's what we learned on March the 20th, ICE bid for 45,000 N95 protective masks to be used. In their law enforcement and removal operations, in spite of severe shortages, the federal government appears to be choosing to prioritize masks for ICE instead of critical health personnel. And we're seeing this type of foolishness over and over again. ICE also uh, has not announced any concrete plans for for screening or mitigating or treating the virus in any of its detention facilities. It's frustrating. Instead of releasing nonviolent immigrants to their families or friends, ICE has ended all social visits to the facilities. And it's a cruel and inhumane way to treat people, and it's jeopardizing all of our safety. Now, for many incarcerated people, whether in jails or prisons or migration detention camps, COVID-19 is a potential death sentence. And immigrants detained in unsanitary and overcrowded conditions should be released immediately with a summons to report to court in the future. And it's imperative that we act and advocate for our immigrant sisters and brothers now before it's too late. Sometimes in our lives We all have pain
0: We all have sorrow
1: Early this morning, I learned that Bill Withers, who I love and my whole family loves, his music and not just his music, but his unassuming, even shy demeanor, Um, he's just a, a humble superstar if there is such a thing. We learned that Bill Withers passed away and it's a devastating loss for our country because we're already in... An unbelievably hard time, but a, it's also a loss for his family. We don't believe at this time that he died from anything related to the coronavirus, but the truth of the matter is that the coronavirus has stressed our entire healthcare system. And so, even though people may pass away from something not directly related to the virus, the system is stressed beyond its capacity in so many ways. And uh, we have no idea the impact that that might have had on the death of Bill Withers or other deaths that we've seen uh, here over the past few weeks. And so many of our legends and stars and and cultural icons have passed over these past few weeks and months. It's been a hell of a 2020, but I encourage you and we're going to play some Bill Withers jams as we close today. I encourage you to listen to the music of Bill Withers Uh, You may not know him by name, and that's in some ways by choice. Bill Withers rarely did concerts, rarely did public performances. I really honestly think he could be as well-known as Stevie Wonder or Marvin Gaye or anybody else had he chosen that life. And as soon as you search the name Bill Withers on YouTube or on your iPhone or Android or anywhere else, you'll be like, oh, wow, I had no idea that all of these songs that I've heard my entire life came from this one man. Uh, he also has a, a documentary that I believe is still on Netflix that I would love for you to watch. Just type in Bill Withers. I think it's called Still Bill. And uh, just check it out. It's it's a, a profound documentary about the life of a man who had a, a once-in-a-generation talent, but just like keeping to himself. We're going to play some jams for you. Willis, our senior producer of this podcast has been deeply impacted by the, the music and life and swag and style of Bill Withers and I've asked him to play a montage here of some of his favorite Bill Withers songs. Take care. everybody.
0: When I wake up in the morning love And the sunlight hurts my eyes And something without warning Is their appointed duty? They keep trying. till you use me up Ain't no sunshine when she's gone It's not warm when she's away Ain't no sunshine when she's gone And she's always gone too long Anytime she goes away